I do have an intention. What is it? I want to know what the fuck is going on around here, man. God damn it. God getting damn some, it. Getting some questions. This is shit's getting weird. Hello there, friends and strangers. It's your pal, Andrew. Thanks for tuning in to the Monkey Tooth Podcast with my wife, Tiffany, and our intermittently fortunate and or doomed puppy, Pele. We are traveling from California to Alaska all the way down to Argentina. Why do I refer to my dog, our dog, as being intermittently fortunate and or doomed? Well... As you may or may not have heard, in our last special episode, uh, Pele was bitten on the leg by a rattlesnake uh, here in in Moab, actually, uh, Utah. Um, This intro is going to be a little bit long, so if you want to skip ahead, just go to about 7 minutes and 25 seconds. Yeah, so uh, Pele, I'll tell you really quickly, um, we were walking uh, on on a nice little hike maybe about two miles from our van uh, in a cold day in October when Pele was bit on the leg by a freaking rattlesnake and a, a very dangerous small rattlesnake called the faded midget rattlesnake. Anyhow, we had to hustle our asses back to the van thinking the whole time for sure he was going to die. I mean, it was just this this brutal scene of him retching and... Uh, yeah, I just didn't think he was going to make it. And fortunately, the vet that we got to, it took us like an hour and a half to get from the site of the bite to uh, the the vet. And um, and it was close. It was really, really close, touch and go for a couple of days. But he seems to be making a full recovery. He's eating, pissing, shitting, and doing all the things you expect a dog to do. And he actually is interested in chasing the ball, which, if you know anything about Pele, is the reason he is on the planet. So, yeah, there's that. Um, And it leads me to, uh, before I introduce this episode, I got to thank some folks. For one, obviously, we want to thank the the, the veterinarian, the office, everyone there, uh, particularly Dr. Alyssa Mulligan, who you heard from in our last episode. Thank you so much for everything. Um, And a huge shout out to our pal and friend of the show, guy named Thomas Moreau and his wife, Margie, uh, they really took good care of us in, in Moab. We had um, just had opportunity to hang out with them. He took us on the river, on the Colorado River, um, and, and just treated us like, like old friends. Um, and what he didn't tell me, we, so we met Thomas in Alaska, okay? This guy has already met us before, did not mention that he also has a podcast. Uh, it is called Moab 101. And uh, I want to encourage him to do more of those. So if you want to reach out to Moab101 on Instagram, he's got two episodes up that are incredibly spaced apart, (laughs) like a year and a half between episodes. He's got a very great premise and a rich canvas upon which to paint there in Moab. Um, So yeah, send Thomas at Moab101. It's a little encouragement. Tell him crank it out. Give us some stuff. Uh, so yeah, thank you, Thomas and Margie for being so cool. Okay. Now our episode today, this is part two 
of a two-part episode block, however you want to look at it, with Charis Ford and his sweet wife, Dulcy Ford. Um, it was an absolute pleasure to get to spend so much time with them. Uh, it's the most time I've actually spent with Charis uh, since I've met him. And we had a great time. They were really uh, hospitable and fun to be around. And they were busy. They got a lot going on. They're building a home. Um, they're they're working on projects. They also have full-time jobs. Um, you know, they're, they're just busy, busy people. But they managed, um, in between me interviewing their kids, us making dinner, and then sitting down and eating, and then putting the kids to bed, I had this little window of time to talk with both Charis and Dulcie, who are incredibly um, smart and vibrant and full of great stories and information. But somehow we had to sandwich it all down into about an hour and a half worth of time in between dinner and, uh, and, and bedtime. So uh, I feel fortunate to have what little time I did with them, uh, and I'm glad to share that with you. You gotta go to the website, mtp.dog. We've got some links up to things that we reference in this podcast. Um, Dulcie is a filmmaker and has made some really cool stuff, uh, not the least of which her film, A Fucker, A Fighter, A Wild Horse Rider. Uh, Totally gotta check that out. You can see it on YouTube, you can see it. Uh, on her website, and there's there's a number of things that we reference that are they're linked up there. Uh, all the songs that we use in this podcast are there as well, so you can check those out. Um, just go to the uh, the listen to the podcast page, and you will see um, Charis and Dulcie's episode. You'll see their kids' episode, who was up before this. Um, so yeah, that's what's happening. That's what you what you should check out. I want to thank. You guys who have left us reviews recently on iTunes, that's huge and helpful and helps people find this podcast when they're looking for podcasts about travel and interesting stories and culture. Uh, if you say anything at all about us and give us anything above, I think, uh, four stars, it's really helpful. Uh, I want to also thank our patrons. We've got some great patrons out there who've been with us uh, the whole time. And uh, boy, it really, I just feel very privileged to have um people out there who believe in us at all uh and especially those who support us financially that's just that's incredible if you're interested in supporting us financially in a way where you get some stuff you can go to the website uh, mtp.dog and there's a page there with stickers and t-shirts we don't have any t-shirts yet um and honestly we've not sold a lot of stickers so i'm not highly encouraged to print any t-shirts but if I can sell out of those stickers, uh, I might uh, might consider printing maybe t-shirts or a bag or something. Anyhow, that's a way to support us as well. Or you can just listen and tell people, hey, I listen to this podcast and it doesn't make me actively vomit every time I hear it. So uh, I think you should check it out. All right, that's all I want to say here. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, let us know what you think. You can go to our contact page on our website, mtp.dog. Tell us what you think. All right. Enjoy Charis and Dulcie Ford. Until next time, bye-bye. Thank you guys for having Tiffany, who is not here, and I, who am here in your house. Uh, we've just had a fantastic meal. I have podcasted with your kids, which is incredible. Um, so it's not my place to be proud of you guys, but I'm just, I, I, I can't help it. I'm just so enamored of your kids. And we'll the, take it. Yeah, your way of life. I mean, it's just, it really is beautiful. Uh, so just thanks for exposing us to that. But I, I've been dying to um, to get kind of back in the saddle with you, Charis. 
where we left off last time, you were telling me, um, we kind of caught up on your story, your origin story. And uh, we didn't really get to explore how you and Dulcie met. And we didn't really kind of tie up the, the loose end of like your time with your mother and your mother passing. Yeah. And I think those are kind of interwoven, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, and Dulcie's mom, too. There's a, a, a big piece of the... The, I mean, I, like you said, we, we talked about kind of what what happened, you know, kind of came, was the basis of how I got to be who I am to the point, and then we didn't really go beyond, you know, that. So I think that this is perfect that Dulcie and I are together, together in this yeah. one, and we can talk about our families and our love and our, our connection. Yeah. It's nice. And you, you've done it well. I mean, it's just... I. I I don't want to just kiss your ass this whole podcast, but I'm just going to say uh, we've had such an incredible couple of days being here. And uh, the first time I met your kids, I was like, wow, these are some pretty bright dudes. But I mean, just seeing them now four or five years later, I mean, they're little men. They're just, they're confident and, and capable and smart. So whatever you guys are doing, I just want to distill whatever magic you guys have taken through the many years of being together and maybe share that with the world. So, how how long have you been together? No pressure, babe. Yeah, no, no pressure. pressure. Just easy. tell us, Super tell us how it's easy. done. We'll we'll make it into a spray for you guys. <laughs> Just spray it on everybody. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> Rub it into your relationship. How long have you been together? Thirty years. Thirty years. Yeah, That's we've been in love for thirty years. We took a little break. When you've been together 30 years, six, a six-year break is considered a little break. So yeah, it's a little <laughs> We were apart for, we think, six years, was it? Uh, yeah, sounds good. Five, maybe? Total? Like a, a stretch? A stretch. A stretch, yeah. 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 We met when I was 16 and, and Charles was 19. So we were young, uh, which is a year older than our son Cassius is now, Whoa. which is like... A little mind-blowing, right? Yeah, really mind-blowing, yeah. <laughs> and Charis tells a really good version of this story that I, I would love to hear again. Okay. <laughs> but do we need to start with the story of our meeting? Maybe maybe, yeah. maybe there's other places to go? You know, do it. Do we just jump right into the how we met? Yeah. yeah. Please. Long, long time ago... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we need the like the Star Trek move, music with the the, the, the words getting bigger. Oh, um, in a galaxy in far, a galaxy far, far, long, far away, long time ago. Um, Dulcie, well, I can't start how we met with your name because I didn't know you, <clears throat> but I had um, been going to school at this really cool college called Prescott College in Arizona, and I was living in a teepee and studying environmental stuff <laughs> and outdoor stuff. I mean, it's a really neat progressive school that has a great environmental program and outdoors program. Stuff program. And uh, living in a teepee and biking to school and having this really great experience. And I was really specifically interested in sustainable agriculture. But it was 1988 and there weren't many sustainable agriculture courses being taught in any colleges. And I chose Prescott because you could kind of design your own courses. And so I went with that intention to kind of seek out mentors and do courses off campus, basically. And uh, while I was there, a gentleman came to teach a permaculture primer, like a half-day 
kind of class on permaculture. And permaculture, I think the first, you know, classes or, or lectures being given in the States was around 86. So this was really early in the permaculture hits America thing. And uh, it was super inspiring. And after the class, they said, well, if you like this, you should come down and do a, a design course, a two-week design course that we're having or that's be, being hosted at this hot springs commune in New Mexico <clears throat> where they grow a lot of their own food. And I was just like, what? You know, did you just say hot springs commune in New Mexico and growing your own food? And I was like, and after this inspiring talk, I was like totally there, you know. And so I hitchhiked from Arizona <clears throat> down to New Mexico and had a really amazing adventure of a hitchhike where I ended up sleeping in a churchyard beside of train tracks and um, getting all these crazy rides. And it was really a magical uh, hitchhike in and of itself. And one of the rides that picked me up, it was like I was in the middle of nowhere in New Mexico. And it was very uh, kind of like right out of a, a, a movie. I'm not even sure, like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas or something. And I'm on the side of the road and there's like trailers and, you know, cars up on blocks with no wheels and a pit bull chain to a refrigerator, you know, and there's like <laughs> nothing else, you know, and then every now and again, a, a kind of a, a beer, you know, Lincoln Continental, you know, the half, you know, about to fall off the rims, drives by and a couple of people look at you, you know, it's kind of like, what the hell is that guy doing out there, you know, and I'm just like, I'm never going to get a ride out here, you know, in the middle of the desert and uh, up rolls this Toyota truck with a kayak on the roof and uh, California plates and they pull over <clears throat> it's this beautiful blonde lady and it, you know, it was like a scene out of another movie like you know beautiful blonde ladies with kayaks on top of their trucks just don't actually pick people up hitchhiking I don't know if you've ever been hitchhiking but that is not how it's done you know and so sure enough you know I'm like what you know jump in this vehicle and <clears throat> like this is my day you know and it turns out that her old man and their kid were in the back sleeping and they're like hey you know what's happening you know introduced themselves to me and happened to be sitting on their stash of weed and they're like hey can you roll a joint you know like they're like can I roll a joint you know does a hobby horse have a hickory dick I can roll a joint you know <laughs> and uh we get down the road you know, half hour, hour, whatever. And they're like, well, well, where are you going? I'm like, well, I'm going, you know, this place. It's, it's, you know, way, way out here. Like, well, where exactly are you going? I'm like, well, I'm going to the Membrace Hot Springs Ranch. And they're like, that's where we're going. And so it's like, I don't know how far it is from Lordsburg, but it's a, it's a hike, you know. Two hours. Yeah. yeah. I guess, hour. but I guess in hindsight, you know, hippies in the desert in that part of the world might be going to, to, to the Membrace Hot Springs Ranch. So, Get get a lovely ride. These people are great. They drop me off at the the main kind of parking area that leads to the hot springs. And uh, the uh, as I'm getting ready to walk in, <clears throat> this this kind of gruff lady comes up to me. Well, I didn't know she was gruff until she started talking to me. She was, she's like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> I'm like, "Well, uh, <clears throat> I'm here for the permaculture workshop." And uh, she said, "Well, you're early." And I said, okay. And I'm like, still in the parking area. I haven't like crossed onto the property yet. I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> should I just hang out here in the parking lot? You know, what, what, what do you have in mind? You know? And she's like, she kind of looks me up and down, you know, kind of checks me out. And she's like, here, 
plant these trees. And somehow, unless I've reconstructed the past, she had a fistful of saplings and a shovel in her hand. Or maybe she ran to get them, but whatever. In short order, I was planting trees in the parking area. And uh, it seemed reasonable to me. I I kind of was raised by a kind of a hard-ass, you know, practical woman. You know, kind of got to work for your dinner type my family. So I was right home. It was like, cool. I was like, right, right on. I've got something to do. So I was planting trees and she came back a little later and brought me some water and kind of said, yeah, you're all right. And she, she takes me <laughs> for the tour, you know, she's like, come on, come with me. And so she takes me down to the gardens and to the communal eating uh, hall and shows me these beautiful old Adobe buildings that have been there since the 1800s late. Yeah. Yeah beautiful historic uh, ranch uh, set on the site of a, a mim- the Mimbres um, Indian I, I probably should leave that part to you because you can tell us about the history of the place better than I can but um, so anyway she takes me for the tour you know this is the dining hall and this is the where the guest wing and, and this is the library and this is my daughter and on a step stool in the library, and again, I may have rewritten history, but I think in a skirt, <laughs> facing important. facing the opposite direction, <laughs> stacking books on the thing, is Dulcie. And she turns around, and I'm in the doorway, you know, next to her mom, who, you know, for all of 10 minutes, I've determined is a nice lady, you know. <laughs> and she turns around, and I cannot uh, describe what a profound moment that was for me. It was game over. It was like being punched. I, I often use the uh, kind of the strong man at the at the fair, you know, where you have to hit the thing, uh, you know, and the, with the sledgehammer and the bell get ding, you know, it, the, that thing just knocked the bell right off the top of the pole and kept on going. I, I was blown away. She was so beautiful, as you still are, so beautiful. And uh, she just knocked my socks off. I would have married her right there in that moment. And I, every moment since, I've said that probably 150 times, and it's totally true. I've, I've never met a woman that I was more attracted to and more in love with and more committed to from the moment that I saw her, my dream coming princess. You're a sweet as a red rose in I love you, adore you, I do. Each night through love land with wonder, sweetheart, telling love stories anew. Out of a blue sky, a dark cloud came rolling, breaking my heart in two. Don't leave me alone, I love. You're the one rose that's left 
See why I like that story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. At 19, I mean, that's yeah. It's one thing to be because you're kind of falling, quote unquote, in love all the time at 19 as a 19 year old guy, but to not me. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Charles was very serious. I was very serious. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was like on this path, this back to the land thing, and I, I was. I was more falling in love all the time at. 14. I kind of got yeah. a jump. <laughs> and by about 17 or 18, I, you know, was meditating and uh, kind of over, over the whole, um, you know, party and right, right. hookup and, you know, social, you know, nightlife stuff. I, I was like, yeah, screw that, you know. And so I was very kind of on to adulthood yeah. in some ways. And I was 16, so I had a very different experience, which is part of why I enjoy Charis's story so much because I basically was um, sweeping floors and uh, helping my mom put on this uh, event and um, working in the kitchen and uh, I was 16 Charis was in college so I was like college guy like that's like an adult like he hasn't even noticed me yet you know basically Uh, but I had a big crush on him and uh, we had a we had a magical night that we held hands and walked down a dry riverbed together and um and lots of magic uh lots of magic started then and then um and then we had some we had some issues we had technical issues where uh i really wanted to go to college and charis um his mom had uh recently broken her back and so she kind of um called him home and they bought a farm together in Tennessee, and so Charis was looking for somebody to move onto this farm in Tennessee and uh, go back to the land. I wasn't grow looking food. for somebody. <laughs> I wanted to be with you for the rest of my life. Yeah. Period. He was clear, <laughs> and I thought Tennessee was a good place. You know, yeah. we had a farm there. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, and I wasn't entirely ready for that path. Sure, uh, and and in fact, I um, dropped out of high school after ninth grade, and so I was really determined to finish college and so um that's when we took our little break there and charis got married to somebody else don't tell Whoa. anybody <laughs> oh, that's some deep that's deep material but i wanted to i wanted to you know kind of circle back to the to the night that we had that beautiful walk and, okay and just kind of you know like where you're walking and kind of bumping into each other by accident and i don't think we held hands on that walk i think we we held hands that night when when we stayed in upstairs in the Apollo project in the house. Yeah. Maybe huh? We just had major crush reality happening on that walk. Yeah. Lots, um, of, lots of magic happened. Del- Delcy's best friend was with her and you know like Delcy said there were kids, you know. We were all kids but and uh somehow, you know, Delcy's mom being like my mom, very liberal and comfortable and trusting and I think she got the sense that I was, you know, a good guy and I wasn't, uh, you know, a d- danger to anybody. And somehow she allowed us, the three of us, to sleep in the house next door. And uh, didn't we hold hands then? Was yeah. It, wasn't yeah, it? we held hands all And we all, all, all three of us That's slept great. in this bed together, <laughs> which seemed a little bit 
brave of your mom to be like, all right, have a great night. I know night. that you're probably just telling her right now. She never knew. Oh, is that right? We, we pulled it off. Oh, wow. <laughs> you're going to be in trouble. Well, let, let me tell another piece of the story. We'll let the <laughs> listeners decide for themselves whether your mom was as innocent or naive, maybe, um, or, you know, you know, not trusting. So Dulcie, you know, I'm madly in love. I'm super crushed out on Dulcie. And we have spent a little bit of time together over this two-week permaculture design course because Dulcie, like she said, she was helping her mom. She was cooking and facilitating. And every chance that I got to, you know, end up sitting next to her on the lawn or whatever, I would take and talk with her and, you know, and, and uh, just falling falling in love, you know, with her more and more. And But I didn't say anything so much as I think you're cute in the whole two weeks, you know. I just was like... Oh my God, this woman is so amazing. I'm just totally in love with her. And so it's the thing is coming to an end and I realize that I'm screwed. You know, I've just, the love of my life I've met and I'm about to leave. Like, what? I can't leave, you know, I can't leave this place. It's not, you know, it's just not going to work. And, and so I cooked up this plan to uh, make an independent study out of staying at the hot springs after the course was over. And so luckily for me, the kind of stars were aligned and the components were there. So the permaculture manual is like a, a tome. It's a thick Bible of a book and it's a really cool book. And so there's a lot of reading that needed to be done if I was going to digest this material. And here I was on this beautiful piece of land. This woman, the first time I met her, she handed me a shovel. I'm like, I could carry a shovel around with one hand and this book around with the other hand and I could write uh, essays about what I'm learning and do whatever this woman wants me to do in terms of making this place more permaculture friendly or whatever you want to call that and uh, so I, I, I reached out to my professor one of my professors at college and I said hey would you be my mentor because that's what it took to get credits you had to have a mentor you had to have a program you had to have a sponsor and so Dulcie's mom was my would-be sponsor, you know. And so I get all this together, and I'm walking with her on a trail toward the end, you know, it was near the end of the permaculture course, <clears throat> and I'm walking with her and one of the male instructors of the course. And I I decided, you know, I gotta, I gotta ask, you know. So I asked her, hey, would you be willing to, if I did this, you know, work, maybe provide me with room and board, and I could stay for a month and do this, this independent study, you know, and get credit for it. And before she could even open her mouth, the male instructor said, you don't want this guy hanging around here. You know all he's going to do is try and hump your daughter. Oh, my God. I turned purple. I was mortified. I was just, like, totally screwed, you know? I mean, the, this was, like, all of my dreams and hopes were just in a shambles, you know? And after a long pause, Dulcie's mom, whose name is Sally, who is just the most amazing human being, after a long pause, she looks at me, and then she looks at him, and she said, you know, I can't think of anyone I'd rather have humping my daughter. <laughs> that. And I have just been the most devout son-in-law <laughs> You could ever imagine. I mean, maybe it's not true. quite the most of I love You're her so good. much, and I've yeah. tried. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've done right by You've done right by, by all being of us. faithful and loyal to her daughter and being committed. And, and, and any time now, you'll be able to hump her. I'm certain. 
You'll be able. You're just any day now. I'm not sure I know what that means. (laughs) I've seen dogs. (laughs) Like, is it a leg thing? You do it with a leg? (laughs) We'll get this worked out. Yeah. Maybe we should ask your mom. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Ask the kids that you made. I'm sure they know. (laughs) We'll get around to it one of these days. Um, That was before she went to college. Yeah. Yeah. So we were. Lots of things. Yeah. Then what happened? But I, I did want to say that I really, um, I noticed how much Andrew that you acknowledge Tiffany on the show, and um, I really appreciate your overt loving and appreciation that you have for her, and that you talk about her quite a bit on the show, and it's yeah. always fun. It was really neat to meet her in, in yeah. person and get to know her myself, and um, it's just something that I noticed that uh, Charis is very good at and has always been really good at uh acknowledging me and um being a super overt lover and appreciator and it's something i see in you that i really like too it's easy to do when you're working with good material you know (laughs) it's just uh yeah giving credit where it's due that's right that's right it'd be even easier if she were on mic with us right now (laughs) right (laughs) but we can tell you as uh as friends and guests on this uh, podcast that it's not because andrew has shackled her to a piece of furniture downstairs it's not for any other reason than she just yeah likes not to be on the mic apparently very much but she is fun to to, to hear, and I'm yeah, really glad. She She's like a like a. My mother used to say, you know, be a rare element, or you know, mm. and so she's got that. She's got the little mystique that goes with that. Too. According to our Chinese zodiac, which I've only ever read in the restaurant, the placemat oh, underneath the placemat. Yeah. Underneath <laughs> so that's the plate. a very deep study. There. That's a deep deep study into us. Uh, my wife and I were born the same year. We're the year of the sheep, and one of our qualities is that we prefer anonymity. Oh. Which I think is why I have this big uh, blanket beard on my face. Oh, and, yeah. uh, I, if I could do this podcast anonymously, I probably would. So uh-huh. I don't blame her for not really wanting uh-huh. yeah. particularly to be on, on mic. So yeah. thanks, Chinese Zodiac. Next time you're busting up those chopsticks, take a look down and see what you're really about. Yeah, that sounds like a good thing. So, okay, let me, let me just back up for a second because most people would picture a 19-year-old in love yeah. as something very different than what your experience was. So when yeah. once you, you know there was that initial gosh she's beautiful mm-hmm. uh you know she's cool she's in inter- like what what was it? What was that thing that both of you saw in one another that like solidified it, you know? Mm. I'm more easily solidified I think so we better listen to Dulcie first <laughs> um, well Taurus was in, just an amazing person as uh, you know then and now and um, incredibly he was incredibly energetic he's one of the most energetic people I've ever met um, and positive positivity and that um, open kind of acknowledgement uh, type um, culture of kind of unfettered speech and saying anything that comes on his mind. And um, those were all very attractive parts of his personality um, that I remember from that period of just almost being kind of like mind blown, like, wait, they like they make people like this? <laughs> like, like, I, don't, I don't, I've never met people like this person. Yeah. Um, so very unusual, um, energetic type of person that Charis was that was very attractive and um 
And yeah, I mostly remember kind of this, this sense of like, I don't, I didn't think they made boys like this, you know, like young 19 year olds who were like, um, he was just really in touch with his emotions. You know, his mom had just gone through this accident. And so he was, uh, on the phone with her for many hours a week and, um, uh, very emotionally open and, um, very loving, I think is, was very apparent that he just had a lot of, um, comfort and unusual comfort, I think for a male with his emotions, just loving and positive and sad and all of it. And Mm. yeah, it's a good, um, yeah. You used to say it was hot to it. Well, the hot thing, I mean, that's just too obvious to uh, deliberate on. But yeah, this guy smelled amazing. I was, I was like going to school. I remember going to be in ninth grade and I could smell his body odor on my body. And I was like floating like... Like you people in the school, like no ninth grader knows wow. what I've known. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this dude smells so good. That's incredible. <laughs> Which, you know, maybe is a good segue to that. Dulcie, if I may yeah. share the some of the history that's maybe more personal, hadn't been like fully gotten busy with a man, you know, fooled around like young people they- will. But you already they explored. call it a virgin. They call it a virgin. <laughs> and, and and I was 19. You know, I was like, you know, ah, virgin, shmirgin. Let's let's do this, baby. And she was like, you know what? I really, I, I promised I promised myself and I'm not going to go there, you know, until, you know, I'm 17. Until till I'm 17 years old I t- and I'm just going to do that. I'm like totally respected that. And we had a lot of wonderful rolling around. Uh, experiences and so the the smell that the other ninth graders <laughs> didn't know about was making out that was making out uh, stuff that we were doing you know yeah. and um, but I had to go back to Tennessee and I was with my mom doing helping her she was in a wheelchair and um, but on Dulcie's seventeenth birthday I had hitchhiked back to New Mexico <laughs> and I was like happy, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. And I, a little I, nervous. I, I, hey. <laughs> oh, you were. I didn't know you could get from Tennessee that fast. <laughs> yeah, I, I could make it pretty fast. It's like a two hour, two day drive. I got picked up one time, hitching. Maybe that time. It probably was that time. I'm going to Chicago. That's the last place my baby stayed. side of the road in Cookville, Tennessee on the Interstate 40 and I had a sign said New Mexico or whatever and this guy just like screeches over from the fast lane <laughs> like cr- cuts people off and like pulls over and he, he, he rolls the window down and says do you have a driver's license? I'm like yeah. He goes can you drive? I said yeah. He goes get in and he 
got in the back seat of his own vehicle and I got in the front seat and he proceeded to fall directly asleep. <laughs> and when he woke up, he goes, how you feeling? I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good. He goes, all right. No, I'm, I'm feeling pretty tired. And he's like, all right, get back here. And we just swapped and we did not stop, but for gas until we got oh. there. And by the time we got to New Mexico, I was like, I'll just take you where you're going. And he took me right to the hot springs. Wow. Yeah. That was That's pretty amazing. amazing. Did you tell him, like, I'm and trying, I got to see I'm this sure girl. We had some, I gotta... I'm sure we had some conversations, <laughs> but most of it was one person sleeping, the other one driving. And wow. I think we did it in 24 hours. That delivery service. They yeah. call it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. What if you have, like, some weird karmic uh, hitchhiking? Juju, anytime you're heading towards her, that you just oh, you're yeah. gonna get it the pickup. It's gonna like happen. That. That's it. it we should like that. test that. Well, that's a great <laughs> question because I basically, I mean, I cannot get enough of this woman's love. Yeah. She is unbelievable in every way, and I'm just I'm forever amazed and enamored. And uh, I think that if you ask her how often I tell her something like this, it's daily, daily, multiple times a day, huh? multiple times a day. Yeah. Sometimes out loud and coming. sometimes with action, just mostly out loud. way you're reminded. <laughs> mostly. mostly. Loud. I try not to Blathering. do anything. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> just talk, talk, yeah. talk. But to your point that mm-hmm. you, and you were acknowledging Andrew about how loving he is and acknowledging he is Dulcie and I, and I want to acknowledge you Dulce, because thank you for saying that I have those gifts and stuff. And you also have those gifts and have not only have them, but have like kind of perfected them and like they're I had to up my game quite oh, a bit. But so. it's an amazing, she's amazingly, uh, I, I think overtly loving is a nice way of saying amazingly kind and, and, and sweet. And you just have a lot of really loving and supportive things to say. And I think that people aren't raised to do this kind of demonstrative. I love you. I like you. You're really yeah. awesome. I, you impress me. I appreciate you. All that kind of talk. Well, in somehow- over 30 years, I mean, that's you guys have been together. You've known each other longer than you didn't. And you're yeah, not you're not in your sixties. Exactly. You guys right. are yeah. young people, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're 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 not yet fifty. Uh, I'm forty eight, and Dulcie, you are forty five. Forty five. Yeah, the yeah. evolution of a human being throughout that time. I mean, the the person that you were at nineteen, while I'm sure essentially you're roughly the same yeah. guy and gal, but the changes that you go through in that period of time that you've gone through them together. We've gone through together. Yeah. You've you've suffered losses together. Yeah. Which totally change i just remember losing my father it changed the kind of perception i had on reality and my notions of what an adult was and where i fit into that sort of scenario that you guys have been able to experience those together yeah is pretty unusual or rare i would say in this world yeah and that you know you've you've learned how to be loving to one another not just you know how to be a better human being on the planet you've learned how to do that specifically with one another which is yeah. That's great. Yeah, it yeah. Is, is really neat. So I wanted to say that one of the things you, you, you had spoken about right out of the gate was really in, enjoying the kids and like kind of mm-hmm. whatever you're doing, keep it up type of a thing. And to whatever degree you know, we're doing something right, I think it really it lives in that space of this kind of like life is short. I'm not going to miss this opportunity to acknowledge you for how amazing you are and what a blessing Hmm. your who you are is for me in my life you know like this is gonna get said and it's gonna get felt and it's gonna get repeated and it's gonna get reinforced and i feel like we do that with our kids too but when we were younger we used to 
refer, I'm gonna I'm take this squeaky shirt off. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, we used to, and we still do sometimes, refer to it as partner worship. And, uh, and it's this thing that we, it's kind of self-explanatory, but this very thing we're talking about as a practice and something that we, that is not just, you know, love you, honey, sweet dreams, oh, you look great in that dress, you know, but, but is something that we recognize is the very compost or, or food or fuel for what is working about yeah. our relationship. And maybe because we have been together so long and we recognized that what it was that made it so exciting was that we were so excited about each other. Yeah. And what, what it was that made the love so fulfilling is that we felt full with it and that, that continuing that was our best best path or best bet at having a great life and I and we just have carried that out and so every time I hold you in my arms I I'm holding that same person that beautiful girl that I met in the library uh is who I'm with and you know you know we're getting old and I've lost most of my hair and you know we're we're not you know we're not 16 and 19 anymore but the the clarity the channel the like the the tunnel, if you will, where you can see the light, you know, way down the tunnel is the same light. It's the same mm. clarity and it's the same beauty and connection. And I feel like we could completely come apart. You know, we could, you know, you know, be toothless and have our knuckles dragging on the ground and just, you know, barely be able to see. And that light is going to be coming through. And I just, I know it because it's, it's still coming through. And I don't, I don't know how the hell you could even... You know, at this point, you know, it feels like we we have uh, cleared the hedgerow. went back home to yeah. deal with some pretty heavy stuff. Your mother broke her back. Yeah. She was, she was amazing, active person. Yeah. Holistic health pioneer, wonderful, beautiful, and had a lot of the characteristics that Dulcie's acknowledged me for. Really contactful, really loving, mm. uh, brave, you know, out of the box kind of a person. Lots of people, you know, really looked up to her. And she was just this amazing, active person who was tobogganing in uh, Colorado and ha and her boyfriend fell on her when they oh, went over man. a big mogul and broke her back. Oh. And so we get this call. My brother and I are in high school. You know, he's, uh, we're in like junior, senior year of our high school. And we get a call and your mom's paralyzed, you know, fly out to the hospital kind of thing. And so it was really devastating, as you can imagine, you know, for everybody. And uh, yeah, so that was a thing. You know, that was... That was actually going on when I met you too. So I I went to college after her injury, yeah. shortly thereafter her injury, and I ended up dropping out of college because I wanted to be with her. You know, she was hurt. She'd been there for for me when I was unable to walk and all that stuff, that baby, sure. babies and cleaning up after each other. And I just I was like, you know, how much of my time and energy and love and labor would I withhold from the person that made it possible for me to exist and I was like I don't I can't actually do that math I don't mm, think yeah. there is any amount yeah. that you could really justify 
withholding, you know, and that was at least how I had seen it at the time. And yeah, I went and uh, went and went back to be with her after being in Prescott, after meeting Dulcie, right. and we did this back to the land thing in Tennessee. So um, I don't know how I got off on that. Well, no, it's okay. So yeah. you you stayed in in Arizona or in New Mexico with yeah. on the family in the commune. I went to um, Evergreen. College in and State College in Washington, yeah, okay. and lived in Olympia and um, went how, to school. How old were you when you went there? I was. I moved at um, seventeen, wow. and um, yeah, had a great experience. Studied film mm-hmm. and um, dated women during my college years, and was involved in like the whole kind of riot girl yeah. scene. And um, Nirvana had just come out of there, and so it was a good time to be there. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, yeah. Uh, good rich cultural punk rock um experience that i was wanting to have to get into the world and find out what the world was all about and learning to be a storyteller in a cool way and you've got some pretty interesting stories to tell i i i I, I am bummed out that we don't have a whole hell of a lot of time because i could i mean either of you would be just a fantastic conversation so but we'll have, we'll, let, we'll have other dates. Yeah, yeah no, you should ask. You should you know go down the rabbit hole. I think you know I'm naturally going to talk more than Dulcie <laughs> if left to my own resources. <laughs> and so if you don't if steer the ship this way, uh, well, we know kind of how this. Is going. Right. I, but I it's good. But there. But Charis is you know experience in Tennessee and and with his mom and yeah. um, the thing that they did there is really amazing too. Well, so, I just uh, Charis, you you've told me about your family. Yeah. Your your dad was this very dynamic guy, and your mom was this very dynamic lady, and you know you had this a certain kind of upbringing. Yeah. And what I've gathered from you and your kids in the previous podcast spilled the beans on a pretty intense story. Yeah. About your mother and sort of your origin story, which is uh, to say the very least non traditional. Yeah. And that you you told me shortly thereafter. Um, that you made an, a documentary about that experience and you told that experience through film. Do you want to, um, cause I, I, the, the reason I'm trying to paint all this out is that you both came from such kind of very different backgrounds and found this very intense bond between the two of you. Yeah. Uh, so if I, yeah. if you could, do you mind painting that out a little bit? Um, yeah, well I have, you can actually go to, uh, and the movie is there about my, about my dad. And, um, and my parents were um, both from Texas, actually, and they, uh, my dad won a farm in Kentucky in a poker game when they were in college. And so they went back to the land um, to live on this farm that they won and, uh, and had a great kind of back-to-the-land 70s experience in Kentucky. And then, um, and then I think they, they kind of grew in different directions, and um, my dad ended up uh, getting custody of um, of me and my brother in the seventies, and my uh, my mom didn't like the deal she got. She got a very um, like a every other weekend kind of custody deal, and so she kidnapped me and uh, and left my brother there in Kentucky to live with my dad. And so um, we were on the lamb and changed our names and. Um, lived under other names and kind of in hiding for um, many years and um, and I made a short film about it called A Fucker, A Fighter, A Wild Horse Rider and you can go see that at DulceClarkson.com and um, and yeah I think it's interesting that uh, both Charis and I 
did come from um, divorced families. And in fact, his mom kidnapped him from his dad as well. At the age of five. Same, same year. And largely because our dads were alcoholics and our moms were like, we're not taking that, you know, we're not going to let our kids, uh, you know, suffer that. And uh, Yeah, and I I think that that might also, for me, is part of the key to to our relationship success in a way, which is um, that I... Um, I never had an expectation that relationship was something that was a, that was a given or a right, you know, that to, to be happily married was not just like in the cards for everybody, but that in fact it was something that you'd be very blessed and lucky to have. And so I feel like um, it's one of the bases of our relationship that feels like it really works, which is I feel like, man, I just feel lucky to be with somebody who's so nice and kind and generous and that I do my best to wake up every day and show up as my best self and um, that we've seen it go badly. So it it's yeah. feels exciting. It feels like a big win to, mm-hmm. to do it well and, and to enjoy being married and be in relationship. Yeah. So you were... Dating women and you got married. Yeah, I, that's true, and I, we could talk about that. But I love listening to you. And one of the things that we've grown, we've grown a lot together. And and one of the things that I've learned in the years that we've been together is to shut up more. And I'm not very good at it. That's good. When but, did you learn this? Just but with, as it pertains to Dulcie, like Dulcie's this amazing person. I like basically I'm feeling guilty. Like I get her all to myself. And then when we get into a social situation, I become the kind of, kind of You're just representative a great storyteller. You're, You're just a, really a great storyteller. storyteller but, so. I, but I love, I love when you, I love watching you share your thing and, and I love encouraging you to share your thing. And so I was wanting, before we go on to my next great storytelling <laughs> moment, uh, that you could tell us a little bit about your parents. Yeah. I had cool parents. Totally. Hell yeah. Um, my, uh, let's see my, my, my mom's, um, my mom's family was uh, on the swamps of Texas, and they lived in a town called Uncertain, Texas. And they had a, um, a, a small airplane and hotel and bar. And my granddad was very famous, uh, alcoholic, crazy person <laughs> um, who ran this whole wild scene and was the mayor of the town. And uncertain Texas. Uncertain Texas. He, yeah. He named he named the town. Is it still Texas. in existence? Is uncertain yeah, Texas? Yeah. It's still it's this it's a small changing fishing our, town. Immediately. A small drinking town with a fishing, fishing problem. problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she and he he raised my mom to be a totally wild character and um and so uh yeah so she's an amazing person and how, how how did he raise your mom to be a walking can you tell us a story or two can you what was his name <laughs> storytelling Instagram. 101 yeah, yeah that's, that's what i need how, what that's was what his name his name was beer beer smith and um <laughs> His wife, what was her name? His wife was Honey. <laughs> honey Smith, beer and honey. And um, he oh he was, uh, my mom was in the paper for, um, she could uh, catch her cat in the swimming pool. Um, she, she He trained her to be able to stick her hand in a bucket of alligators and 
pick him up on her hand and <laughs> oh my God. Um, taught, you know taught her to swim by throwing her out of the boat and yeah. those kind of things yeah yeah <laughs> now now you know yeah, okay we, are, we yeah. all know those people no we don't <laughs> yeah you everybody that that old archetype of yeah. alligator picking beer and honey yeah fly, you know. the flying fish yeah. the, the, the flying fish, fish was, was the name their of their business bar hotel and people would fly in from Dallas and Houston and come fish and get shit face drunk and uh, and it was probably not a lot of pilots back then and we have reason to believe that our grandfathers knew each other because they lived but a town apart and they were pilots and there weren't that many pilots and you know people in the close quarter you know close neighborhood like that so we we like to think that our our granddads had a Star couple whiskeys. Drinkers. Yeah, yeah. exactly. A couple whiskeys. <laughs> we might be related, think, come to think of it. Oh, my god. Oh, my god. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> but how about your dad? No, we haven't really heard about your mom, other than she was raised wild, but we need to hear about it, how, how wonderful this woman is. And maybe I'm a decent person to tell, but, yeah. but I, they're so, I want to hear it. about your dad. I want to hear about your mom. I want them to hear about it. I want the world <laughs> Hear about yeah, your dad and mom. There's so much to tell. What do you? Th- how do you like this? Me interrupting you yeah. in order to help flesh right, out elements I that I hate. Welcome to the Charis Tooth Podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Prodcasting. Oh, prodcasting. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I need. Do you want to tell us anything about your dad or mom? Um. My mom is an amazing person. She, um, among other things, built her own house from scratch, a beautiful adobe house. Um, she's an amazing gardener. She's, while pregnant. Yeah, while Whoa. pregnant. To have the, built the house just in time to have the baby in there, which was my sister, and I was there for that. It was very beautiful. Wow. And um, she started an environmental organization there in New Mexico that's now over 30 years old, and um, she... Uh, has worked very tirelessly um, on behalf of the environment. Um, she's a watchdog over a big, huge copper mine that's down in that area. And also, um, yeah, a lot of water safety issues and also a lot of grazing and taking care of the land. And, um, yeah, she's a she's a very um, kind of self-made woman. Yeah. And a hard, very hardworking woman. She can still outwork me at 74. She kicks my ass all the time. And what, what was her real name? What, she, uh, had, she was born Diane Smith. Yeah. But now she's Sally. Sally Smith now. Sally she, Smith. Yeah, oh, she went Smith. back to Smith. Yeah. yeah. I'm going really cool to take, th- take this mic over okay. real quick. Go for <laughs> it. This woman, uh, in, in, ad- in addition to being Excruciatingly hot as Dulcie is, although you can't see her through this microphone. Her mom is beautiful, beautiful woman. Uh, you know, like her name, her the name she went by in her hippie days was Dirt, hmm. and she had this little uh, health food store, local crafts, pottery. You know, like community crafts, kind of like what you see now in these, you know, like you know, local community type things. But she did this in the seventies. And it was called Dirt Works. Uh, she had a grilled cheese sandwich nailed to the uh, above the door, and uh, the not-for-profit organization that she started, which is called the Gila Resource Information Project, or GRIP. And their newsletter is Get a Grip, and they brought the largest class action suit against a 
mining co- in mining history and uh, had made them. She got the largest bond against a mine in in Western mining mining history. Wow, it's not easy to do. Yeah, it's a powerful group to yeah go up against. Yeah, and she's an amazing stonemason. Built all these incredible gardener. Built these the the adobe home and the stone terraces around her place and the fruit trees that she planted uh, are probably the closest thing to Eden that I think I've seen expressed in one small property. Uh, it's just, she's just an, um, gifted. Have, have you lived there, the two of you, in, in your married adult lives? We have. You've gone we, back and lived, we lived yeah, there? Yeah, we went back, and Phoenix was born there, and yeah. so we had a really lovely period of our life where we lived there with her and, and um, got to, I think, bless the children with um, the, just the food that comes out of her garden and gardening with her every day and uh, yeah. yeah she she creates a very beautiful nurturing space around her yeah I could tell in talking to your sons how much they revere their grandmother mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. they think she they're, is a cool lady mm-hmm. which is strong yeah mm-hmm. they're very they they have a great relationship and she's yeah. she's been very nurturing of all their interests yeah I could imagine. Yeah. We, we actually moved in to the house that we first held hands in, that story really? we were telling earlier. Uh, the Apollo Project, we call it, because the guy who had built, started building it was named Apollo, and he never finished it. And Sally <laughs> bought it off of him you know, for a handshake and a few bucks, and it just had sat there unfinished. And so she's like, well, it, I, I'd been dragging Dulcie all over hell since we uh, left Tennessee. She she came and live with me in Tennessee with my mom after all nine circles of hell (laughs) (laughs) we went to all very nice places yeah we did go to some beautiful places well your your boys said they've been to every continent except for Africa and Antarctica I think that's probably true yeah yeah that's cool that's true yeah that's very cool so yeah if if your boys who are clearly not 30 have been to almost all the (laughs) we're also not 30 yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, so we live, We got to live in that house with That's with, great. with and across the driveway where we first held yeah. hands. So we our bedroom was that room. It was really magical for me to to be. Did you know Charis's mother very well? Yeah, Did you get to know I, her? I got to know her, and I got to be there in her dying process. And um, I, she's she was a very powerful person, and very. Um, I mean, has a, there's a lot of similarities with my mom, where she just. Um, created this like insanely aesthetic environment around her. Her house was amazingly beautiful and food and kind of everything around her was um, really touched with love and and beautiful and um, neither one of these women are to be fucked with. Yeah, these are tough. <laughs> like like, yeah, and also well, tough. It, I was really scared of Charles's mom. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> as as I was of yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But minus the scared of part, you're describing how we perceive the world that you guys are building. You've got this oh, aesthetically rich sort of everything's got a cool little twist and touch mm. to it, and has a, a intention behind it that you can pick up on mm, immediately. Yeah. You, you, you notice an aesthetic choice. 
in just about everything that it's you guys funny, seem to touch. You're, you're not talking about the dishes piled up in our sink. And they're, <laughs> they're just stacked in such a way that really make you feel welcome to just stack your dishes right yeah, on top. No, funny. but uh, that, it's kind of interesting you guys are describing something that we perceived and huh, have talked about yeah. independently. Except we're not afraid of either one of yeah. them. Very nice. Good job. We're, we're not we're gonna try to get married either. You know? yeah, yeah, right, right. Well, yeah, uh, our, our, both did, our parents. Did were, your mothers know each other? Did your mother they, they ever They may have meet? met once. They met a couple times, yeah, yeah or, or once. It was this real s- source of sadness for me that both Sally and Dulcie didn't get to meet my mom before her before, injury yeah. because her heart was broken in a very mm. real way, and she was such a ebullient, uh, beautiful, buoyant spirit as well as a beautiful woman to look at and to watch how she yeah. made her way in the world. And, and our moms were both, you know, very pioneers of the alternative. I mean... While, you, while it's true we were raised in different scenarios, the value sets of our parents were very aligned. And, yeah. uh, and that's why I was one of, you know, a big, big reason I was head over heels and very clear that I would have married Dulcie on the spot was because I had been around the world and never met anyone who was more culturally appropriate. You know, it's like the famous, you know, find yourself a nice Jewish girl. You know, it's like this is <laughs> this the meeting Dulcie, the context I was meeting here, the farming, the organic, you know, the whole thing was, was just like alive. everything. It was just every switch I had was flipped up, you know, and uh, she was my dream coming princess. Yeah, no question about it. Experienced um, some heavy shit together, yeah. In, in in birth and in death, yeah. In travel, which is difficult in its own way, um, and you, Dulcie, have had a couple of experiences with ayahuasca. Charis, you were in preparation for your very first ayahuasca experience, yeah. And to me, any sort of mystical experience, anytime we, uh, or anytime I access anything like that, I've never done ayahuasca, but I've certainly had other experiences it puts me in touch with death mm. and with um sort of the scarier aspects of being mm-hmm. a human person in this reality mm-hmm. uh so you together have experienced all this stuff and you know you've you've got this um this rich experience now twice you've done ayahuasca three Don't, times three times so you you have like this insight into something that you do not do you um can you talk about that? Like, how are you, the two of you coming together on Charis's, you know, 
impending journey in this uh, in this arena? Well, Charis is a very experienced psychonaut, so I I feel very confident in his ability to go beyond the veil. Um, and uh, I also he also gave me some great advice the last time I did ayahuasca, which was just to lean into it. You know, if you're feeling if you're coming against up against things that you're scared of. Um, or that you feel like you don't want to go there, do your best to just lean in fearlessly and, and ask, uh, ask it what it wants or what it's looking for and how you can help it. So I kind of have reflected that, that back to him. Mm. And, um, did that help in your experience? Were you able to manifest any of that or? Yeah, I was, I was my last experience. I was, um, uh, basically interrogated with spotlights by mariachis oh. and <laughs> with, mega, with megaphones. It went on for a really long time and it was really unpleasant. Yeah. Um, but I, I hung in there and uh, and I definitely thought about like, I guess this is where I'm supposed to be right now. So we're just going to do this style interrogation. Later, but, she thought that maybe someone's flashlight had accidentally been left on. Yeah, then later my friend admitted she left her flashlight on. <laughs> Where the mariachi came from is <laughs> remaining a mystery, but the flashlight has been solved. Yeah, I did have wow. a mariachi hat in the back of my car that may have led to this. But anyways, it's... Um, I think it did help to to mm. remember, and I was also reminding Charles that um, the reality is for all the buildup for it, it's a very short experience. It's very, I was saying, like, even if demons are poking you, you know, it's only like 45 minutes of demons poking you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you handle that. <laughs> yeah, come on. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Any other thoughts about uh, well, that? Well, how do you feel, Charles? Are you, I well, mean, I really appreciate... Dulcie's um, kind of uh, loving space holding that she's been doing. She's uh, kept me uh, kind of from freaking out about what I can and can't eat. You know, it's like, uh, you know, you're supposed to take this little diet of, you know, no coffee, no uh, cheese, no bread. No, and I, I was reading the list like, you mean no food? You know, like I can't eat anything. <laughs> like, I, you know, I was, getting, I was getting pretty aggravated. And not only did she just like oh you can do it but she researched all this stuff like on my behalf and i'm just so moved and so grateful that the kindness that comes out of you is just i mean i know a lot of people take care of their partners and stuff but in addition to like perform performing this role of like i give a damn about you i want to make sure you're okay i looked into this and i looked into that and i researched the beans that i cooked tonight to make sure they're okay for you she is kicking ass like a multi-armed Hindu goddess in all directions, child rearing, building, fixing, cleaning, planting, nurturing, uh, managing, juggling. I mean, the the level of responsibility and uh, ver varied responsibilities that Dulcie has and takes on and crushes masterfully is amazing and then i get to come home to this person who's like oh honey you know like some kind of like you know fantasy scenario where your partner is you know you know at least for a male this male's fantasy you know is loving person who cares about you and is going to put a little extra you know or a lot of extra energy into making sure that they've left you feeling like you've been loved on and it's just such a sweet thing and i'm i you know i 
I can't. We have a term we use called the war of generosity. Kind of be involved in, you know, just going a little. Yeah, I'll, I'll show you this time, <laughs> <Yeah>. Sofo. <laughs> you think that was sweet? Wait, yeah. you listen, we're gonna, I'll see those flowers and I'll raise you right. a Tonight's the shoulder night. rub. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. she's a Genghis Khan, and I'm uh, whatever you know, uh, His brother Caesar Pete. or something. Was <laughs> 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 a serious general. Uh, mili- <laughs> love the military of love, or something. That's wonderful. Yeah. Sure. And and way too saccharine. We gotta dial it. Oh, yeah. We really gotta get just. Uh, <laughs> I would you love. Guys keep I would love going. to tell you about my ex-wife, but out of respect for the possibility that she would hear this, I feel like I can't. But mm, she that's very would respectful. have made this whole thing go sideways in a very interesting way because that was a very different kind of relationship than the one that Dulce had. <laughs> yeah, very different kind of relationship. True. Leslie, if you're out there listening, I love you. <laughs> Hope you're doing great. <laughs> well, I actually am. Hope she is. She's really <laughs> great, good. deep, um, sweet person. Well, um, I we went to Bali and and I hit a um, wall with my face, and yeah. then Charles and I had a a good joke about your brain and my face. Yeah, because uh, I went to Bali. Maybe did I tell you about epileptic stuff in the last podcast? You know, your your kids did. And, yeah. Uh, and you and I have talked about it. I don't know if you mentioned it in the last yeah. podcast, but you had, um, and our listeners who will yeah. probably hear your kids before you guys, yeah. uh, talked about petite and grandma seizures. Yeah, yeah. so I'd never had anything like that in my life yeah. and uh, no history of it in my family. And uh, at the age of 40, whatever. 40. For, 40. Was it 40? Was that Eight years ago, forty-two, forty-three, forty-four. Well, they told me. Now your kids told me it's because you uh, did not listen to a guy who told you not to cross a line. Yeah, well, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that could have been. Past, and that was one. Don't oh, go no, there was the cemetery serious, line. Serious voodoo. And stuff you guys going did on. some sort of electric. Yeah, there was an electric plate. Shaman, some yeah, shaman. some shamanic healing so that involved a car battery. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. As you do, and As and, you. The, and the guy who was like our friend who told me not to cross that river. Yeah, and, was, and also told us we were crazy for doing the shaman. Yeah, he, car yeah. Battery he took thing. us there. He's like, and then oh, the guy wants to share his medicine path with us, and he's like, okay, well, I'll take you there. And he's sitting in the living room, and we both do it, and we're, you know, like, you want to do it? And he's like, hell no, I'm not touching nothing. nothing. No, like this is after we'd done it. Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> not a I good just idea. had my brain shot. Not shocked. a traditional yeah. Balinese treatment. This is not something normal. <laughs> no, no. And he so, did seem like a pretty dark dude, that guy, in a lot of ways. We probably, we were just like, yeah, sure, you know. So, you guys, I mean, dialing into an ayahuasca experience is not entirely new ter- territory for the two of you. I no, I think this, I think Dulcie's, you know, we, we were eating mushrooms together at, at 17, 19. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're hippies now, you know. Well, at this, <laughs> let me ask you this. At this point in your lives where, where you have experienced some real things, what are you seeking in, in that? Oh, what you a know, great I, question. To, to, dig, to dig that hole and to do that mm. work with mm. ayahuasca, why? Yeah. You know, what, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah, no, that's why. a great question. In fact, I was just telling uh, one, of the, one of my uh, carpenters about this today because he asked uh, about it. He just asked generally about it. And I said, well, you know, the, the particular group that, we're, that Dulcie just uh, experienced her ayahuasca ceremony with and that I'm going to experience mine with are friends of ours that have kind of founded this the term is church because that's, that's how, how you, you can legal. do psychedelics 
in legally in the in the U.S. And so the Peyote Church is a church, and the Hiawaska Church is because there's more than one. There may be more than one Peyote Church. I'm not sure, but they're legal, you know. And yeah. uh, but there are different traditions, and so the tradition. Uh, but regardless of that, there are different traditions. Generally speaking, at least with Hiawaska, as I understand it, people go in with an intention or a question or something like that. And so uh, in talking to this carpenter today, I, I was moved to, to tell him about the intention part because he was curious about what, what Do you the, have an intention? I do have an intention. What is it? I want to know what the fuck is going on around here, man. <laughs> God damn it. God getting damn some, it. Getting some questions. This is shit's getting weird. Uh, my intention is, you know, um, little bit of backstory. I've always been, as maybe evidenced by these conversations, a very optimistic, upbeat, uh, self-inspired, and maybe inspiring to others kind of a person who kind of, you know, is the guy at the party who's like, you know this. You know we're all one. This is a beautiful thing. This is you know there's a reason. You know there's a there's a purpose. You know like that's a big part of my personality is finding meaning, being meaningful, inspiring that feeling in others. Like you know this is a magic dimension that we're in that we're sharing together. Like you know like to, because I see a lot of the. I don't do it because I see despair in the world, but I do see a lot of despair in the world. I mean there's a lot of despair in the world. People are lost and they're confused and they don't have they lack meaning and they lack purpose and. It's heartbreaking because you're in this body for however many years you're in the body for. And if you're dragging your ass around and staring at the floor or watching TV all the time or, you know, just miserable and depressed, it's just such a sad prison, you know. And so I've always taken it very seriously to be upbeat and lighthearted and, and try and keep those energies up toward the surface. And as the world has taken these turns that it's taken recently, like the Arctic Circle has been on fire, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, I, you know, I, I don't want to talk politics, but Donald Trump as president, you know, or dot, 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 more plastic in the ocean than fish in 10 years or whatever, 50 years or whatever it is, massive droughts non-stop forest fires that never happen in these ways. Yeah, the case for optimism is being made more case, and more difficult. It's more and more difficult, yeah. exactly. Uh, the, the nearby waterfall uh, uh, it comes from a glacier not far from where we are and dried up for the first time ever, like mm. since the Ice Age. And it's like, you can't really do that. You can't really like say, oh, the Arctic Circle's burning and the ocean's going to be more full of plastic than fish and the plant's heating up and the... Since you know nothing's been like but we're this all still one. Yeah, we're all one. It's all good. <laughs> right? Chin up, you know, junior. Yeah. You know, and so that's real for me. And I am still, by nature, a happy-go-lucky, upbeat person. But what I'm going in there with the question is like, you know, help a brother out. You know, I'd really like to know how to be useful and how to be truthful and how to be help bring meaning to myself, to my loved ones, to my kids, to the yeah. people I meet, how to integrate all this. Like, you know, it's like, just keep on trying. It's all going to be fine. Like that doesn't cut it. Not that that's necessarily right. was my message before, but I feel like we can do this is a little hard to say at a time when I'm wondering if we can make it for five more years without a major cultural, uh, global yeah. collapse of some sort or another environmental 
type it collapse. makes me think of um so that's what i'm going in for yeah i'd like to know how to be about this i'd like to know what to do what 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 role that i should yeah could take that would be bring something of value to this time and to those around me it it, it makes me think of that the um the story of moses questioning and you know questioning his faith for just that brief moment of doubt mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. then not being allowed into the promised land which i always thought was such a bullshit horrible part of the story i don't know if you moses guys... got cock blocked out yeah, of the promised we land we don't know these stories uh, but, but moses is in hell didn't right he, now didn't he have no a no heart? he just didn't get to go like when it, after the 40 years in the desert uh, there was a moment in the, in that in that trial when this he just had questions like well is this everything going to work out? You know, yeah. And it sounds to me like yeah. you're uh-huh. questioning your faith in optimism, and not that you that you believe in some sort of thing, but yeah. you know, that you're that you're wondering. Well, so okay, wait. I'm pretty optimistic, but for what reason? You know, is everything? Yeah. Is there yeah. a reason? Yeah. You know that I'm not hoping you're cock blocked out of the eternal <laughs> hereafter, but but just that that it's I get that moment of doubt because yeah. I, I too feel. I'm not nearly as optimistic and upbeat. No, but you have a very similar disposition. I think, yeah, you have you're very bright and you bring a lot of up energy with you. Well, you've been awfully generous this entire podcast, but that was the furthest you've reached. (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) That's just a damn lie, sir. sir. That's true. No, but uh, to 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 that point of things getting to a a state where being optimistic seems you don't want to be disingenuously optimistic. You want it to be informed by reality and it's yeah. tough yeah it's tough so that's a that's a worthy question yeah and it's and and i don't know so much if it's that i doubt or have lost faith in my optimism so much is that i'm confused about how to be optimistic well yeah. i think there's a piece of um maybe a piece of age involved here where when you're a younger person, you can imagine what you're going to do to change things and imagine that I think mm. Charis had a huge amount of hope that um, things were going to change, that he might be involved in the changing of minds. And, and I think um, even for people of our age, there was a sense that, oh, well, we just need to be educated. You know, like not that many people understand the environment or not that many people have heard about climate change. And now we're just so far down that road that both telling yourself like, oh, well, we just need to educate people doesn't seem like you can tell yourself that anymore right. as well as um, I think as an older person, it feels like there's only a few more acts that I can take mm-hmm. and I would like to feel like um, those would be powerful acts. And I think when you're younger, you know, you're kind of waiting for the stream to show you where to go. Sure. Yeah. 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 Ooh. The, the One of the things that I've done on this side of the psychedelic work, which is to say, you know, I, I haven't had a big psychedelic experience in many years. I don't even know when the last big psychedelic experience I had was, but it's been a decade plus, huh? Probably, yeah. And uh, I, but, I'm, but I've been reckoning or, you know, trying to deal with this stuff that, that my question that I'm going, going into this ceremony uh, is dealing with. And the best... I could come up with was like is really about that we are all one you know and that this was never meant to last that this dimension that we're in is but a fleeting moment and that it is but an experiment of the greater cosmic self the infinite you know universe and the 
you know, you know, countless forms of life that we can only imagine exist in infinity, you know, given the odds, <laughs> you know, there's beauty, uh, and infinite realms of beauty and order and, and genius as there are infinite realms of destruction and dis- decay and disorder. And that we as humans are like a, uh, a scene in the, in that grand, you know, play and, that if we identify with the larger self, the infinite self, uh, that plays out these roles of, you know, the young, beautiful, dot, 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 planet, person, you know, chimpanzee, you know, whatever, mango, and the old, rotting, you know, falling off the vine. That dance is something that we are... uh, that the human experience is an expression of. And that mm-hmm. dance is really who we are. We are we are one. We are connected to this eternal, creative, destructive thing that is just mm-hmm. weaving this beautiful fabric in infinite directions. And we happen to be like this little little sea foam on the wave that's like, hey, yeah. how's it going over there? But we're yeah. going to get taken by the tsunami and we're going to get turned back in forever. And that's what life is and that's what creation is and that's what spirit is and so for me as i watch what looks like a really heavy scene going down on planet earth at the human being's hand and i think like if i identify with my body like i'm screwed but i was screwed anyways i was gonna lose my teeth i was gonna get buried in a hole somewhere one day right if i identify with my family like the fords must prevail it's scary shit, you know, like, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, are my kids going to have grandkids? Are, are we going to be, uh, you know, not suffer from the, the, d- the damage that's happened in our lifetimes? Are my kids not going to suffer in their lifetimes in ways that our parents didn't and yeah. that we didn't? I don't know. But I feel like, so if I identify with the Fords, if I identify with the humans, I'm, I'm basically setting myself up for these these attachment sufferings, you know, if I identify with large mammals setting myself up for suffering because of the things that we're doing to the planet, if I identify myself with lichen or (laughs) algae, less so. I'm feeling a little more secure now, you know, cockroaches. Okay, we can do this because if I identify with life itself on planet Earth, now it's like, you know, I bet your life's going to be okay. And if I see myself as that's my family and that's myself, because the self isn't going to make it, right? The self is a, an 80-year trick. Yeah. And if I identify with this other thing that we were talking about, this cosmic eternal dance, mm-hmm. uh, then we got it made, you know? So that's kind of where my optimism has rested, is in yeah. like, don't get too attached to your body because it's not lasting. Or yeah. this fantasy that you're, somehow your seed or your genetic strain is right. going to rise or continue, you know? So anyways, I've rambled on, but no, it's no, important well, stuff. If, if I could, um, you know, an oil slick on water can be really beautiful. Yeah. But it's fucked up the water. <laughs> uh, a rotten piece of fruit in the abstract, if you just yeah. look at the rotted piece yeah. and get close, there's some beautiful patterns. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous things come out of that, but it's and ruined it, fruit. Yeah. So and it's, if, there's a seed in there ready to... Right. But so if, you know, if in trying to identify with that water or with that fruit or your own body, yeah. if that's, you know, the missing... If that's missing the mark and you're just dooming yourself to disappointment, the thing I think that humans produce that is valuable 
and rare is our fiction, our the things we believe, our music, our art. Yeah, they're beautiful to us. We made them, yeah. and they're our they're sure. our creation. Yeah. So if there's anything, any legacy, anything that we've been a part of, it's it is ethereal. It's a thing that you can't quite nail Interesting. down. Interesting. Yeah, as you can appreciate a rap about mushrooms yeah. that there are uh, four-year-old children in California repeating now uh, <laughs> because of you. Uh, there's, there's, there's things that we produce as human beings that are uh, untethered yeah. to our bodies yeah. and will forever yeah. be that. Yeah. Um, the, the rotting corpse of Beethoven hasn't been thought about in a long time. <laughs> but, uh, boy, those but his music... Are, yeah. Are with uh, us. I, yeah. I think that a Tesla can dance to <laughs> Beethoven at this point. Yeah. So there's there's some weird other thing yeah. that I'm hoping uh, to hear back from you <laughs> when you come back from yeah. the other side of the chrysanthemum and uh, tell us what you've seen. I like that. Maybe the, you'll the other have side some... of the chrysanthemum. It's a yeah. good book title. <laughs> I, I didn't make that up. I just want to make sure. It's beautiful. Where did it come from? Uh, I think I heard Dennis McKenna refer oh, to it as a, as a thing. You can say he's been on the other side of the that's beautiful. It is. That's beautiful. It's a nice yeah. notion. But anyhow, I, just in hearing you talk about your your worry about identifying with the Fords or identifying yeah. with your body or trying yeah. to even necessarily to think of lichen, yeah. identifying with organisms. Yeah. I don't know that our organism of any stripe is what really makes a human, our human experience is our ability to not just tell fiction, but believe them. Uh-huh. You know, I think that's really what kind of separates us in a... I mean, we are very much part of the animal kingdom, but yeah. that thing that makes us rare yeah. is our, our ability to sort of navigate fiction. So yeah. In a way, I think stories. that's, I mean, that's, I think, what's really heartbreaking about something like destroying the water. You know, we're, you know, it's that seventh generation idea of like, well, it's the, it's the right of the seventh generation to sing those songs and mm-hmm. to have their own stories to tell. And if we... If we take away the water and we take away the air, then we've robbed that seventh generation of those, even those human things that, you know, that humans can only do when they have the right circumstances. I'm driving around a big diesel truck. I'm just fucking the (laughs) whole thing up. Just don't, just confess. Admit. You'll feel better. well educated in all the environmental, I know all about it. Literally every mile is an embracing of my hypocrisy. Oh, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm in bed with it. Yeah. Every we have so many organic day. blueberry plastic boxes, containers with our names organic. on coconut it. water cans. Yeah. Oh my god! I, yeah, there's a yeah. whole yeah. So yeah. there's I, you know I I'm saddened by the damage that we're doing to yeah. the planet and the people that will certainly suffer. Yeah, uh, may well be one of them. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it's probably going to be mostly the poor yeah. and. Uh, what we're doing is making us poorer every day, <laughs> financially. Yeah. So it might very well be us <laughs> yeah. that suffers first. Diesel's getting more expensive. Keep, we'll just drive up. into the, Ar- the Antarctic, but <laughs> uh, into the sea, sea full of plastic. Yeah, but yeah, maybe we'll just we'll save seven thousand dollars on a boat ride and just drive straight to the. <laughs> yeah, drive yeah. straight across. Straight cause, across cause the, new, be the new Bering Strait will be made on, uh, on the, one of the gyres. Yeah, but uh, any, anyhow, I. I I, I want to leave on some sort of an optimistic note. <laughs> I've got I've got something I'd like to offer, and and we can certainly. Uh, the, have you guys ever heard of the term Leela? Uh huh. You know, I'm not a, a, a religion scholar by any stretch, and therefore I may not even assign attribute this word to the right religion. But I think it's Hinduism. 
And I think Leela is the play, the act of play that the divine spirit, being God, great spirit, what call it what you may, that is what this is. All is Leela. And so when you're talking about fiction and art, uh, technology, like what happens if you invent a touchscreen, you know, <laughs> you know, whatever, pour baking soda and, and uh, vinegar into a thing shaped like a volcano, like it, just create a butterfly, you know, get a fish to crawl out of an ocean and onto land. What happens if you, there's a big mind-blowingly beautiful, brilliant, creative, endlessly curious infant that we call God that is playing. And the whole thing is its play. And that's Leela. That's everything that we can see and imagine is the play of God. And uh, and I like that. I think that connects nicely to the idea of fiction. And the I played with my poop as a child. Did you say you wanted to leave us on an up note? We're screwed. (laughs) We're screwed. I I love you guys. Thank you so much. And we love you too, Tiffany. She's just over here in the corner acting like she's not here. We love you too. That was Monkey Tooth podcast in the house. The forsaken got no reason to cry He got to chew the angels Falling from on high He ain't waiting for no answer Baking woeful pie Pie of eyesight, pie blue black Oh, that pie The pie of pie and The forsaken world, he ain't like you and I With bones always breaking and no place to go lie He's in the box so dark and wet, he got so much time He ain't even worried yet, the hog of the forsaken He is the pork of crime Be forsaken, he'll leave you one more chance. Which, if you won't be taken, he'll leave it for the ants. Hi, Tiffany here, saying thank you for listening to the Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you haven't already, or it's been a while, check out our website, mtp.dog. There's plenty of information there. An about tab with a little bio on Andrew, myself, and our dog Pele. There's also a van build tab detailing how we did our van conversion. A journal tab and we, as an Andrew, are doing our best to keep that up to date. And last but not least, a contact tab, where you can leave your thoughts, suggestions, or questions. You can also contact us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram, Monkey Tooth Podcast. If you would like to donate and or subscribe to the cause, you can go to Patreon and GoFundMe at Monkey Tooth Podcast. 
Patreon is not just a place to subscribe. We post lots of content there as well. We greatly appreciate each and every one of you. Love to all. Here's the heart for me. Let's go.